the first thing I remember doing filming is my sister and I again played, um, well, we didn't play, but we were extras in a movie called Bandit Queen and it starred Barbara Britton, who, mm -hmm. uh, if any of you know her, yeah. from a thousand years ago, she, but anyway, she was a, a big star at the time and she was the star of, of this particular show. But my sister and I were, if you ever see any of this on television, you won't. Mm -hmm. but we're the two girls <laughs> on the other side of the fence with the cows in between that when they were doing a scene over here, we're the background girls. That's so cool. That's right. That's that's what we did. Wow. <laughs> and it, it sort of grew from there. Tokyo tonight. Tonight. Hello. Hey. Hello. How are you? I'm very well. How are both of you? Good. Hanging in there. <laughs> um, I, you know what's crazy? I did not realize um, that you had done a lot of voiceover work. Actually, your original assumption was correct. I haven't done. <laughs> the only okay. one is is Superman, and oh. um, where I was playing Ma Kent. And, yes. Um, uh, but I, I went on a lot of auditions for voiceovers, but I never got hired. So um, oh. maybe we were dreaming. <laughs> maybe I was. Yeah, exactly. Because I'm always surprised. Like, there's like always these people that are in your lives and you see them on TV and you see them in movies all the time. And then until you really get into like their whole career, it's just expansive. It just goes on and on forever. And, and the animation stuff always surprises me because, you know, I don't think of that as being something that people normally want to go to right away. Right, right. But it's but every time I talk to an actor or actress that's on the show, they love doing it. Absolutely. I, I only did a, a short period of time for the Superman things, but I did uh, I did love it. I remember a couple of auditions I had where I had to do sort of what they called crazy voices. That I do enjoy because I, I'm I just didn't enjoy that. And right. I any of those parts so <laughs> right you can feel it okay, no this is not her area but but doing it is fun and um there's an and a piece of thing of work that we do in movies when you film you're filming outside and they have to redo the sound in the studio afterwards mm. and it's looping and you go in and you have to match your voice to what you're seeing saying on the screen and it can be just one word at a time or it can be crying or it can be whatever it is. Right. And, um, and that I love doing, I really enjoyed it. And I, I'm happy to say they seem to be happy, you know, with it, but, um, but the commercials and the, the cartoons and stuff, no, they said Pasadena, get somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> How rude. We need to talk to those people. We need to get them in here. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll straighten them out. Don't worry. Um, I, you, you were talking to us before about this photo um, from the Donna Reed show. Yes. And that it, was done in preparation for the series airing? Yes. This was a, um, there, there's one on each side of me mm -hmm. on your and it's, uh, I guess they're both the same pictures. I, mm -hmm. I, they're very small here, so I can't, <laughs> yeah. I can't do the same. Thing. 
And uh, yes, it was one of the first times that Donna, Carl, Paul and I had been together and we were in this big studio and they were taking, they took hundreds of pictures of the four of us. First of all, they didn't know if the show would be on for 20 minutes or would it be on for like eight years, nine years, oh. which we ended up doing, but they, tried to take pictures of everything, different groupings and stuff like that. So when I see these pictures, it's really, it's touching to me that uh, I get to see them again. And so many memories just come flooding back. It yeah. The start of an incredible time in my life. And uh, I love all three of those other people in these pictures. Love yeah. Them. And you were 14 when you said you were on the show, right? Yes. I started the show. We started shooting the series 20, uh, uh, Jan no, I'm sorry, July 14th, 1958, Bastille Day. And uh, I had turned 14 in January. So I was 14 and a half at that age, you know, the half and three quarters is very more, <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. Can't get anybody in trouble now. We're like, is it, past or past? No, no. Um, it was a great time. That's was, awesome. that, was that your first, was that your first big gig or were you doing a lot before that? No, I was, I was doing, this was the first major thing that had any lasting power and that I was on for a long time. Um, but uh, I had already done uh, a lot of television and uh, there was an old series called The Soldiers with Hal March and Tom DeAndre. Nobody that any of you know anything about anymore, you're much, <laughs> but I was on that show. I was looking at this old television book um, that somebody had sent me. It's called How Sweet It Was. And it's a compilation of all of us who are in television. And what you were just saying a minute ago, John, about how extensive people's, you know, list of things that they've done, how mm -hmm. it is. And the people that you have no idea did things before they became known for what they did eventually. Yeah. It's just amazing. And they have pictures of everybody and you can't. Anyway. Um, oh, yeah. I, I have that book, by the way, How Sweet It Was. I, ab I absolutely do. Yeah. Well, when I was a kid, I loved, I mean, I still do, but like, I, first of all, I love tangible things. I like to be able to hold a thing. I like that we have the internet and we can search anything. But if I get a good, like, book that has a history of TV stuff in there, yes. I, I used to buy all that stuff. If I found it at flea markets or any used bookstores and stuff, I have a bunch mm -hmm. of TV books like that. Well, I understand. I, I also am tangible that way. And I, I still go for, um, I, I went into a, a little store the other day and I said, do you have any phone books? And he went, I'm sorry. And he said, <laughs> he said I'm looking for you know, a phone book too. And he said, uh, I, well, a phone book. He said, well, I think we have one in the store. And I said, one? And he said, yes. So he took me over to it and he said, do you know, you're the first person who's asked for a phone book. <laughs> In years, he said, uh, occasionally, uh, years ago, I would say to somebody, do you want a phone and a dress book? And mm. they, uh, no, I've got, <laughs> I've got all of this stuff. All, of, and, But I I still have, I have little Filofax cards that I try to send uh. Filofax saying, no, they're all in a paper bag now. And I have to go through the list to find out somebody's phone number and pull out the little card because I haven't taken the time to put them in this new phone book that I got. Nice. That one. The last one he had. <laughs> I, I miss kind of the excitement of having a phone book like that. When I was, again, I used to love, I still love planners and stuff like that and like writing yeah. stuff down in them and, and switching stuff out. I had, my friend was making fun of me the other day because she was like, how do you do the scheduling for your show? And I was like, well, I have a calendar. And she's like, oh, cool. Is it Google calendars or iCloud calendar? And I was like, no, I have a physical calendar that I bought. And she was like, what are you, what are you living in 1996? And I was like, no, but I, I like to see it written down. 
I, I tell you somebody on the West Coast who feels exactly the same. <laughs> exactly. I'll let her know. When you were talking about um, that you guys didn't know whether or not the Don Reed show was going to last like that. Is that something that as a, as a 14 year old actress at the time you're aware of, are you mixed in with the business side of it that much? Or are you just kind of enjoying the process? Well, it's sort of a combination of both um, because mm -hmm. I've been working for a number of years. I, I wasn't in on the actual business end of any of it, uh, okay. you know, never in any of those meetings or et cetera. Mm -hmm. But, but, you know, by, by, time and attrition you finally hear that um gee we didn't know if this show was going to stay on <laughs> really nice but so you you know certain things but i wasn't involved in the making planning or doing of the show at all i mm. just i got chosen and i was there and uh, happily ensconced there for years nice yeah was getting acting your idea when you were a kid or did somebody kind of go oh i think she'd be really good in in pictures and movies and then your parents kind of no, well, again, sort of yes and no. Mm -hmm. uh, my mother was very, very painfully shy as a child. Mm -hmm. And uh, she had two daughters. And mm -hmm. she thought maybe that if we, um, this all doesn't make too much sense now, but this is what happened. Mm -hmm. She thought if, if we started uh, modeling, doing something like that, you know, that maybe we would get over our shyness a little bit. So I the first modeling job I had, there was a woman who had a, a couture, uh, I can't, I didn't even know the word at the time, a couture <laughs> salon, and she made dresses for women, and then she also made some for children, and she was down the street from us, on, on a, a big block down the street from us, and she went around to the neighborhood and knocked on the doors and said, do you have any children that you'd like to be in a model? <laughs> and my mother evidently said, yeah, I have two girls. So my sister Smokey and I went down and we were in this fashion show and um, I was three or four at the time. So wow. I had no wow. concept of anything. I mean, I knew what my dolly's names were, but <laughs> I didn't know anything at all. But it just sort of evolved from there. And the first thing I remember doing filming is my sister and I again played um well, we didn't play, but we were extras in a movie called Bandit Queen, and it starred Barbara Britton, who, mm -hmm. uh, if any of you know her yeah. from a thousand years ago, she, but anyway, she was a, a big star at the time, and she was the star of, of this particular show. But my sister and I were, if you ever see any of this on television, you won't. Mm -hmm. We're the two girls on the other side of the fence with the cows in between that when they were doing a scene over here, we're the background girls. That's so cool. That's right. That's that's what we did. Wow. <laughs> and it, it sort of grew from there. We uh, and uh, But I had nothing to do with it. The only the thing I do remember is that my mother had always said to both my sister and I that if we didn't want to do it, all we had to do was say it and we could stop. Wow. But and that's great. As an adult, I think back, oh, isn't that wonderful? But as mm -hmm. a child, you don't understand that. You're doing, your mother is the one who takes you on the interview for the job. So you just figure you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. And, right. yeah. and if you got the job, everybody was very happy. And mm -hmm. and if you didn't get the job, it was like, well, on, onward to the next one. But that's interesting, though, too, because you touched on something where you said, you know, uh, at the time you just thought it was you know, what you were supposed to be doing, if that's what mm -hmm. your parents wanted to do. Was there a point, though, as you got older where you were like, oh, I might actually have an option to get out of this or or anything like that? Or were you like, I love what I'm doing. I'm just going to keep going. Um, I will answer some questions that you ask later on that will either mm -hmm. be yes or no. 
This is another one of those. Well, it's a little bit yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I always loved what I was doing, but it was it was just part of me. It was, mm -hmm. I mean, it's what I did. But when I was about I two different times, I was about 15 the first time it happened, where I thought I, I don't know if I want to do this because I was always very shy, mm -hmm. very shy. And going on the interviews and all that stuff was very hard. Um, yeah. I just thought, I, I don't know, but I didn't have any frame of reference of any other thing to do. I mean, I was going to school, but there was nothing that replaced that. So then when I was doing, um, I'd say sometime before coach, but after during that time where I thought, I, you know, I've just been doing this all my life. I just don't know if I want to continue doing it. I don't, I, I didn't feel like I was good. And I it just, it was not a good time for me. So, right. uh, so that was, that was the time that I think I most seriously considered, you know, just sort of dropping out. But mm -hmm. uh, I was like an old penny. I just kept turning up. <laughs> <laughs> what well, is it? Did it have anything to do at that point? Cause you said when you were 15, so Donna Reed show you're on when you were 14, yes. um, close to 15 reason. Was there any reason why you left the show before it ended? Was that one of the reasons? Yes. No, it, it was, um, it was actually because I was going to be getting married after oh. this marriage. And, um, oh, and, and that was really the main reason. I just, it sort of seemed like in regular time, if I had been a regular kid going to school, I would be getting ready by the time I left to go to college. And that's what sort of this was like. It was like, it was time to, um, or was it time for me to step out away from the show? But that was the hardest decision, which it may be the same for kids going to college back then. I don't know what it's like at all now, mm -hmm. but, um, but I loved Donna beyond measure and Carl and Paul. They, it, we really were a family. So to say that I wanted to leave, oh, it was, it was so yeah. hard to do. And it wasn't any unhappiness or anything. It was just that I, thought it was time to move. And as I said, I was going to be getting married, which I did a year later. And right. uh, anyway, so that were they supportive of the, of your decision at first? Yes. I, yes. I think everybody was, nobody talked about it very much. I mean, nobody oh. said, gee, you're leaving. And, uh, <laughs> and I go, yeah, no, it, that <laughs> sort of like families in that day and age, families didn't talk about much of anything either, at least in mm. the family. I grew up in there were no emotional issues discussion discussed you know oh. it just it just didn't happen and uh, so I don't remember any real conversations about it but um, they just sort of accepted that it was my decision to do and it, it, it that was the end of the original contract the original contract had been for five years so contracts were up and everybody was either renegotiating or saying yes or no mm -hmm. so I guess it was part of that discussion but but no, it wasn't, it wasn't on set discussion. <laughs> mm -hmm. Did you know at, at the time, that's a very interesting point too, that people didn't discuss too much family wise back then, or kind of discuss their emotions. Was that something that you acknowledged when you were younger that you kind of caught on to and, or, and had to get over or were you just kind of accepting of it? Uh, I was definitely accepting of it. I, I, I discovered this, this truth <laughs> oh, after many years of therapy and you know i suddenly went oh you know my gosh that's it's I, oh that's what was going on it's um um yeah I, I i i wasn't aware of it then at all i just that's what i did i mm -hmm. went to i had a great time i loved the people 
And that was it. Nice. And then you went from there. When did you start your movie career? How did you know you wanted to be in movies after TV? Was it a conscious decision or it just happened naturally? It just happened. I actually had done uh, a couple of movies before I started the Donna Reed show. Mm -hmm. I did a movie with um, Rock Hudson. I played his oh. daughter in a movie wow. called yeah, Never Say Goodbye. Mm -hmm. And um, Rock, I have a funny story about it, but Rock Hudson and an actress from Germany, a wonderful actress by the name of Cornell Borchers, a beautiful woman, mm -hmm. and uh, George Sanders. And uh, George Sanders, I'm sure you've all watched mm -hmm. old movies and stuff, but um, it was very, you know, very proper and everything. <laughs> and at the end of the shoot, um, now most of my scenes were not with him, but we were on the set most of the time. At the end, I had a little autograph book. I still have it, this little oh. autograph book. And I remember going up to him and I said, you know, Mr. Sanders, could I, could I please have your, and he said, oh, I can't do his accent, but he went, oh, yes, yes of course. <laughs> and I said, oh, thank you very much. And I walked away and I looked at it and it said, too surely, George Sanders. <laughs> 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 but I, I never, never would I have said anything. I just, right, right. <laughs> yeah, you would have changed your name legally first before you had actually said anything. <laughs> I, absolutely, absolutely. I'm telling you, I still laugh every time I look at that little book. It's so sweet, but too surely George Sanders. <laughs> oh, that's very sweet. It's, it's kind of weird. We talk about this a lot on the show, too, where it's like uh, the form of currency, I guess, back then when you met a celebrity was getting everybody's autographs down. And now that's totally not the same thing. And it's selfies and pictures with everybody. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's it's it. Um, it was still kind of scary. I mean, it was scary. I was always scared to ask mm -hmm. people autographs uh, but it was it was the rigueur of the day you're right and today it would be yeah all the yeah selfies. the selfie yeah. do you do you prefer one to the other well i grew up doing autographs and mm. that's um yeah i i think I, I don't know i don't here's another yes or no it's half <laughs> this and half that i right. i enjoyed doing autographs and it was always um people were always very very kind and asking for them and um, they would always say lovely things. And the same thing is true when people take selfies, but like everything else, everything is much faster today. So that they yeah. have a selfie and they're gone. So yeah. I'm sort of the nice words that <laughs> people used to say. But That's a good point. You can't really get somebody saying anything kind about you or even like, even when somebody's signing something, you do get a minute to kind of talk and chat with them and yeah. And selfies, you don't. I think no. it's a lot of like society today too is so fast paced that they just come in, grab the picture, and they don't want to. I think it's almost a social awkwardness that's that is occurring in society <laughs> where they don't uh, want to bother you with chat, but they feel like stealing that moment was enough for them. I I agree with you. I think there is there's nothing that moves at the speed that it used to move anymore. It's yeah. Just, yeah, it's lightning, and I think that that's very much a part of it. I somebody had asked me has asked me in the not too distant past. Because I tend to write nice messages to these people when I do, and I've I've done things where there were people lined up. But I was doing something for Alzheimer's. There would be people lined up to get you know autographs, and um, there'd be somebody over in the corner going, I "Could you not write so much? Could you just move?" <laughs> and I go, well, "No way, you know, I, this, this is what I do." I've never forgotten to Shirley George Sanders, so I've always tried to send a message to the people. Anyway, that's really sweet. If I, if I ever get an autograph for you, I would love you to just sign it to Shirley from Shirley. I, that's what I'll sign. <laughs> oh, my God. That's that's amazing. Um, 
Wait, so and I watched, by the way, in preparation for this interview. I've seen, I saw it when I was younger, but uh, my mom and I watched Girl Happy, uh, oh. one of her favorite movies. Yeah, oh, so fun. Love the movie. It's a lot of it's it's a lot of fun, and it's funny, and it's still kind of you know all the situational stuff in those movies. I think still kind of hold up. I I, I think they do too. I. I um, I'm aware of the passage of time and stuff, but mm -hmm. most of them are grounded in a certain uh, sense of reality. And yeah. it, it, it's like most things, television, movies, everything is a little bit heightened because mm -hmm. they're doing this, this form, but, but still particularly in times of like girl happy, the early Presley films and Donna Reed show and all those things. Um, but even coach, you know, there was always a, um, a desire for this situation to be real and for what right. people did to, to be real. So uh, I'm glad that your mother loved the oh, movie. Yeah, she, lo she loves the movie. And she was like, we're watching. She knew I was I was going to be speaking with you. She's like, we're, we're watching that movie. And I was like, all right, let's watch it. That's absolutely. Oh, uh, yeah. What's cool about that, too, is like the, the just the concept of spring break. Dad gets angry that his daughter, you know, wants to know where his daughter is, wants to know she's safe. That is still decades later, the same situation. Anybody can and can relate to that. I, I know. I think that's absolutely true. It's uh, yeah. Some things are good or bad are around forever. <laughs> right. Yeah. As you know, they're, you can't kill them. It always makes me wonder if people even even like because there's some stuff that's obviously dated. Even the stuff that we do now, it's going to be ridiculously dated because we're so even cell phones. I can always tell what movie, what year a movie's from. And I'm like, oh, they have an old Motorola. That's from 1990, you know, whatever. Um, but it's kind of funny because when you watch shows like like that or even the Donna Reed show or, or especially like the Dick Van Dyke show, too, or whatever, they if they just concentrate on situational things. Right. then it doesn't matter what decade it is or what year it is. It holds up. And I always wonder if that was in the back of people's minds when they were making that stuff. Well, I think um, I can't speak for the people who were in charge because mm. I, I wasn't involved there, even with the writers and stuff. Mm -hmm. There was more connection with the writers on the Donna Reed show. But but the, the planning and the thinking behind it all, I was not part of. But and as I said, I think everybody connected with the Donna Reed show and yeah. most of the shows that I did didn't think anything was going to last. And, and that's not even like today. I mean, today you're on for one show and if it doesn't hit that night, <laughs> you're over with. And, yeah. and your big pickup would be for six episodes and ours were 39 episodes. If they picked you up for a season, it was 39 episodes. Yeah. Uh, I think even the people that were putting it together didn't have that longevity in mind. Um, and didn't, uh, I don't know, I don't think they thought, it's not that they didn't think television was going to last, but mm. it was, I'll just answer it this way. No, I don't think that was part of their thinking. Right. I, I think the people who wanted to make shows that had a grounding in reality had that that thought, and, uh, and the others were just... It was not, more of a focus on, let's make it good, and then we're, we're not going to worry about anything else. <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we need more of that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, and then you, you got to work with Elvis at the time when, you know, that's that had to be crazy because of two reasons. One, I wonder if the perception of working with him, like when you found out that you were going to be in a movie with Elvis, were you like thinking of everything you knew about him beforehand and then meeting him? Did that kind of influence the first introduction to him? And then you got to know him better as a person as it went on? Cause that's got, I mean, there's so much about that one guy, you know what I mean? Before you even get to meet him that how could you develop a sense of who somebody is without that influencing you? Yes, that's correct. Um, I, 
my favorite actor all during my growing up years and so was Jimmy Stewart. So oh. I wasn't quite in the Elvis Presley. <laughs> yeah. Man, I liked him. I liked his music and stuff, but I wasn't one of those, you know, screaming fans. And um, and I, I, Jimmy Stewart was the person that I liked. And then I had crushes on boys that I knew, but I, that mm -hmm. it make that leap. So I didn't meet him before we started filming, and uh, I was excited about being it because I knew that it was a big deal to be the leading lady, quote unquote, of an Elvis Presley movie. Mm -hmm. So I, I was excited about that, but now we're on the set and we're they're ready to film, and um, everybody on the set suddenly just got very quiet, and um, and I kind of looked around because it's usually not very quiet on sets in between filming, mm -hmm. and, um, I and everybody was looking in a different direction, and I said, "Well, what what's going on?" And then I looked over, and coming from that end of the stage was indeed Elvis Presley. And um, I, I will tell you, the man had more power, more charisma, more just, he was like a bomb exploding. And what he was doing, he was coming into work to work on our first scene. So he wasn't doing anything. He was just walking across the stage. But I remember thinking, oh my God, it's Elvis Presley. And that was like the culmination of my my thinking about him, but it, it it changed. It was nothing to do with what he was before. I just suddenly realized this is Elvis. This is <laughs> everybody's talking about. And, and right. he's to the set where I where I it I'm happy that I I came to it with that point of view because it allowed us to have a friendship and um uh, without any, well, there was no romance. And people always ask me, did you have a ro you <laughs> romance? You had an affair. And I always say, no. And they say, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I say, no. <laughs> really, we didn't. Um, but we really did care for each other a mm. lot. And that we did three movies together. So Girl Happy was the first one. Yeah. And, um, and so it, it, those earlier stories about him didn't interfere with, with our growing relationship of doing the movie. But, um, as I said, I was always very shy, so I was not somebody who started conversations or anything like that. So I, um, anyway, it was it was wonderful. He was adorable and darling, and uh, shy and quiet, and um, and had a lovely sense of humor. And mm -hmm. but the three movies with him that I that I knew him so well. Right. It was it was great. I've answered your question. I think. But again, I've gone off into several different directions. So I, I love it because I, I swear to God, I have a touch of like ADD. So this is this makes this oh, is all connecting to me. I <laughs> works for us. Yeah, this worked perfectly for you. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I'm like this is great. I don't know. What it's, um, I don't know. What about, but <laughs> yeah, and you know, and, you know, it's crazy because I have you know obviously read you know certain you know where people always ask you that kind of question whether you had a romance or stuff. But it's funny to me that they don't touch on the fact that you're always kind of you know saying no, but we had a really close friendship, and it's even I think that's ten times more um special and kind of you know uh more more of like a great experience as opposed to just yeah we had a fling and there was an affair like who cares about any of that you built like a relationship with somebody it was probably one of the most hardest people to build a relationship with yes. um, and get to know and then also did three movies together that clicked went well and you built you had like a chemistry there that's way better than like 
yeah, we had a one second fling and they never saw each other again. Yes, that's right. No, I'm I'm very happy that it took the path that it took. And uh, and yes, that's true. I agree with you. It's um, it's one of the most meaningful relationships of my life. But it was simply a friendship. And uh, right. but it lasted, you know, long, long time. I still think about him all the time and I lament that he's gone and yeah. things that happen crazy track i mean that's a lot i mean it's, it's 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 weird to look at the people who have who've like had such a huge impact and yeah. then you know left us way way too soon it's nuts i i couldn't agree more it's uh as i said earlier in this uh maybe even before we started i'm not a big fan of change so <laughs> that's the most intense kind of change you know when somebody's there and then they're not yeah um so it's still it's very hard it's very hard very hard. I had this weird thing too with like sometimes it'll uh you ever had those out of body experiences where you kind of catch yourself like I'll be watching somebody that I know has passed away like on TV or film and yeah. it takes me a second to realize that they're not long they're no longer there but they're so present like oh, absolutely. it's we it's really kind of it's hard for me to reconcile that kind of thing and it's got to be even harder if you knew somebody personally and you can see them. Yes, it it it, it is. Um I I, I tend to have a I, I tend to have a tendency. I, I tend <laughs> to to forget. I don't forget that it's Elvis on screen, but I mm. forget that he's not here. And I remember just all the things that happened off the set, you know, things that we were doing at the time, et cetera. Right. Um, but also my favorite movies are the movies of the 30s and 40s. I watch, I don't know, you get it back there, TCM. Oh, yeah. Movies, right. And I just spend most of my time watching those movies and i love them and mm -hmm. people are as and jimmy stewart's in a lot of them of course yes I my affection for him but um you, you those people are so real to me and yeah um, it is it is strange it is not a body experience as you There's, said oh, i'm gonna mess up the name of this movie and it's gonna drive me crazy um i think it's mr hobbs takes vacation yes one of my, my mom and I watched, there's another one that my mom introduced me. My mom introduced me to all like the great movies, like old classic stuff. But like, that's another one that we'll watch every now and again. And Jimmy Stewart's amazing in it. And that's on TCM a lot. Yes, it is. Absolutely. Yeah. And Sandra D is. Yes. Uh, she was my idol growing up. I just. Uh, I was just going to ask you, who were the people that you emulated when you were growing up? Because you, you had a crush on Jimmy Stewart, but that's a crush. Who did you, were there people that you modeled your acting over and like career over? I, I thought of it in terms of being that person. I, uh -huh. I breathed, ate, did everything, Sandra D. And nice. um, to the point where Paul Peterson, we were still doing the Donna Reed show at the time. And I went through a phase of just chewing a lot of bubble gum. And uh, <laughs> they make these things, pink cigars that were actually bubble gum. Yep. Anyway, I would, I would buy a bunch of those and I would be chewing. And Paul walked by me one day and he said, you're trying to look like Sandra D. And I said, what? And he said, you're trying to make your jaws bigger to look like Sandra D. And I said, it's something like, oh, she doesn't have big jaws. And I know I like bubble gum, you know? Okay. <laughs> so uh, he did say to me years later, I was doing a scene for the Donna Riccio, And he came up to me and he said, oh, that was good. He said, C-C-O-S-D. And then walked away. And I thought he was true little brother. And mm. um, I thought, so what does that mean? CCOSD. Paul, what does that mean? He was gone by that time. So mm. I don't know, a couple of days later, I said, what did you mean by CCOSD? He said, copycat of Sandra D. You sound <laughs> like her. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, awesome. so Sandra D, 
at that time, she was just my my idol, and I I just loved her. I saw Gidget 122 times, not that many, but a lot. Wow. Yeah. Uh, and as, as time has gone on, I you know people that I love are Meryl Streep, who doesn't? I mean, oh. just um, amazing. Absolutely amazing, and so and Helen Mirren and um, mm. Thompson, all of those people I always look up to enormously, and always try to remember what they did in certain scenes and stuff. But I can never use that in my own work because it, I, it just doesn't. I don't do scenes like they, like they do scenes. They're in great movies. Anyway, it doesn't matter. But I, right. I, 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 no, I know what you mean. And I love what they do. So, are you still are you still the kind of shy person where you like if you met, if you got the opportunity to meet somebody like that would you go up to them right away or would you kind of hold back? No, 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 no. Oh no, I would hold back. I never, <sighs> I never would go up to them. I um, when Mike Farrell and I originally not originally met, but when we met more so, we both were. He was doing Mash and I was doing um, One Day at a Time, mm-hmm. and, uh, both on CBS. And they used to have something that they called at the time the affiliates meetings and they would have all the different affiliates from the CBS stations from all over the country would, uh, and all the net, all the networks did this ABC, NBC, <coughs> excuse me. And they would invite people who were on their shows to come up and meet the people. They would introduce you. You would sit at a table, have dinner with them. They would show the new shows anyway. Mm-hmm. <coughs> So Mike and I were talking before. There's a longer story that goes with this, but I won't start it now. No, go for it. Yeah, go for it. We're all about it. Okay, I'll finish this part of it. Um, Mike and I, because my name is Fabre, F-A-B. His is Farrell. They lined us up to go out uh, to be introduced alphabetically. So he said, is there anybody here that you want to meet, you know, in particular? And I said, (coughs) I said, yes. I said, Charles Kuralt. Walter Cronkite and he said oh okay all right so then we're introduced we'll all go to our separate tables now we're walking out and he said um he caught up with me and he said did you did you get to meet Walter Cronkite and I said no I said I didn't I said I said I did meet Charles Corralt I said but I was so nervous upon meeting him this is what happened he, somebody, the, the woman who brought me over to his table introduced me. And, and he said, well, hello, Shelley. Something like, it's very nice to meet you. Mm-hmm. I, I thought, I can't speak. I lit, and this is Ralph Kuralt. I don't know what I would have done if I had ever seen Walter Cronkite. But, <laughs> but I, I couldn't speak. And I thought, this is my chance to tell this man what I, I watch him every Sunday morning. I love him. And, da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. Um, and I walked away. I said, I, I didn't say a word. And so Mike said, well, what did you say to Charles Carroll? I said, I, I waited. <laughs> anyway, so Mike said, well, I'll look for Walter Cronkite. He said, I'm tall. He said, so mm. I'll look around the crowd. So we walked out together. We got out of the place. We were going back to our hotel, which we were, all the actors were staying across the street. Mm-hmm. And a cable car came up the hill. And he said, oh, did you want to go? for a cable car, right? Uh, I thought to myself, oh, I can't do that. I We, we don't even know each other. They can't. All this Catholic training came into my <laughs> I thought, No, 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 I can't. I can't do that. And I said, and then I stopped and I thought, Shelley, he didn't ask you to go to the South Pacific. <laughs> <laughs> if you would like to ride on one. And so I said, yes, yes, I would love to. 
So we did. And that actually was the start of our romance. We, oh. we married two years later and um, it, uh, yeah, it was, it was a sweet beginning. <laughs> yeah. That's lovely. Yeah. You told a little bit uh, of about your first meeting on the MS thing. No, 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 not, not this part. I didn't know that part, but you, you told us about a, a line that he had, what, what the first thing I think he had said to you. Yes. He said, um, uh, he said, I, I, I get it. I have to paraphrase it now, but he said, um, every time I hear your name or see you on television, he said, I always say, Shelley Fabre, what a nice, what a nice person. And I was stunned because that's what I had thought every time I saw him on television. And I don't remember now if I said this out loud to him or if I just thought it in my head, but I thought, oh. isn't that amazing? Every time I've seen Mike Farrell on television, I, I thought, oh, send Mike Farrell because we had worked together very, very briefly a few mm. years ago. Are my hands driving you crazy? I realize no, no. Oh, I always, I try. Uh, you'll both you'll notice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I do. I do a lot of this sweeping motion, <laughs> and I never know who I'm gesturing to when I do it. But it's just there. Yeah, this so, hand really wants to be in the interview a lot of the time. <laughs> I, I get it. I suddenly, I caught a glimpse of myself, and I told me doing this, and I thought, oh my god. Anyway, we're all, we're all just orchestrating at heart. We're like, anyway. So here's the. It's all a it's tune for the band. Way. Yeah, <laughs> it's all for the pain. Yeah, yes, exactly. Um, <laughs> that, that, I love that. That's beautiful. The the um, I was gonna say that you you done a couple other things. I know I want to touch on. You were in. You got to be in one of my other favorite shows, Mork and Mindy. Oh yes, yes. What, was that at the? I mean, did you did you know Robin? Did you know Pam before you started that? Not hadn't met either one. And, and so was it at the height of like the insanity of that show? Like when it was like kind of like a new. Yes. Wow. It, yes, it was. Um, I did what you said you do. I interrupted you. <laughs> you were no, yeah, that's great. But um, he, he and the show continued to get even bigger. But when I did the show, it was, I was aware. I was aware who he was, of course. Mm. And, um, and, and Pam was just the end of, Tea time. She was so sweet and uh, made me a barrette for my hair. Uh, oh. just nice, nice things. Um, but Robin was—he was like another person from another planet. Mm. And I know Mark from Ork, but he—he he was so funny and so quiet. And then he would just—the cameras would go—and he would just switch into this other person, and you never knew. If you had the next line in the script, you never knew when it was going to be your turn to speak because he would go on and you didn't want to interrupt him. And, right. and I remember thinking so many times, oh, I'm so glad I don't have the last line before he talks again because he just, but he would go off into those riffs that we all got to see him do at other times as time went on in the shows that he did where he would just go off into outer space someplace. And it was just hysterically funny. It was thrilling to work with him. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, I, I love that you were there in the very big, it, it's one of those things that you don't get to, you know, I, I guess you, you can't experience it unless you actually experience it. And that was one of those shows, one of those rare things that was like, again, it must've been like working with Elvis for the first time. Somebody has this whole thing built up about them that you don't actually know, you don't get to meet. Here's yes. the arm again. And yeah. then, <laughs> see, it's going on. Oh, there you go. <laughs> and then, but it is, it's one of those things where like you're coming into it with the perception of it. Yes. So it's like, how did that influence the whole experience? But it's nice that you had a, a great time there. A wonderful time. I'm wonderful. I was trying to figure out how I got there, but I had done another series with Brian Keith called The Little People. And oh. the original producers on that, um, 
Gary Marshall was one of them. And mm -hmm. that's where he knew me from. Cause I thought to my, as I was telling you the story, I thought, how did I get on that show? <laughs> but it turns out, I mean, I still went on the interview for it and stuff, but it was mm -hmm. worked with Gary before. Is there anything that you wanted to do that like um, that you kind of look back on and you're like, oh, man, I, I should have gone for this thing or I should have gone for that thing and I didn't do it like anything maybe you passed on? I don't think I passed on anything. I didn't get a lot of things. Mm. And I remember um, trying out for and I just get horrified thinking of what my audition even was like. But <laughs> I, I was on the audition for Liesl in The Sound of Music. Oh, and Wow. Yeah, I, I have no conception of what that audition was like. Just none. It just is a blank. But I got a letter from somebody one time who said, I ended up seeing the, the audition you did for <laughs> Liesl in The Sound of Music. And I thought you should have gotten that part. Anyway, that person was crazy. But <laughs> I, I didn't get the part, obviously. And, um, and then it became one of my favorite movies. When I saw it, I just thought, oh, my God, to have been part of that would have been incredible. But that was way after the fact. And and right. uh, and in, in at that time in life, um, I think the business is quite different now. But it, at that time, um, you didn't even know who got the part. You know, they didn't tell your agent. You didn't hear. You know, oh. the only thing that you might hear is that, they didn't think you were the right type. They didn't, they wanted a blonde instead of a brunette or whatever, but they were usually not even that specific. Usually you just didn't hear from anybody and you found out later on they were already filming. So clearly somebody else was doing it. So um, yeah, I, I, I didn't spend a lot of time thinking about it afterwards, but I, I, uh, I was sorry to have not been part of that. Do you, do you remember like a point in time in your career where you felt like, um, I don't want to say secure is the right word, but basically just like, you know, you went from starting out in the beginning to kind of going on auditions to like really feeling good about where you were and going like, okay, I've got it now. If I go for something, I know I, I can get it or I know where I am in the business. Like, do you, do you remember a point where you felt like that? No, never. <laughs> <laughs> and I, um, I, I think back to an interview that I read years and years and years ago with Henry Fonda and it was mm. in life magazine or look magazine, whatever it was, it was a serious publication and it was an in-depth interview. And he said every time, and I've heard this now from other actors, but he said, every time I got a job, I always thought I was going to lose the job once I showed up on the set. But more than that, I thought I would never work again when wow. that was over with. And I went, that's, that's me. And as I said, I've now heard lots of actors say, you know, uh, I never, I thought I'd never work again. And these are huge stars that mm -hmm. are and that all the time that would go through the process that you just described thinking, well, like, you know, I know I'm going to get this part or I know how to do this, or I know what my position is in this business. It, it doesn't count. What right. you did before doesn't count. They still want to see you, hear you do their lines. And, and again, this business has changed a lot. Now you don't even go in on interviews. You send in tapes. Right. Brutal. Yeah. And and tapes are just awful. Uh, uh, always. Yeah, always. That's right. Interviews were difficult, were hard. Mm -hmm. But at least you were in a room. Part of it that was so terrifying, you'd be in a room with like six or seven producers and you'd be sitting there trying to do the scene and you would just think, I don't know what I'm doing or what these people want or what I'm supposed 
anyway. Right. No, that's true. And, and at the very least, you could think maybe I could win people over because you're in the room with them. You're face to face. You know, maybe you're having a good, good charm day or whatever. You know what I mean? Like you can try to see what they're laughing at. And But when you're doing the because especially over the pandemic, you know, my agent would send me stuff you know, and be like, Hey, you know, there's this commercial or whatever. Uh, but you have to, you know, at the weirdest times too, where it would be like midnight here and it had to be in at 9am over there. So, you know, and then it would, and then it would just be like, why am I even doing this? I have to play two different parts. I don't have any costumes. The lighting sucks in this room. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I'm like, they're going to, before I even get it out there, I hate me. Like, <laughs> so, I'm just like, what's the point? Like, this is brutal. Oh, I, I couldn't agree more. I think it is brutal. And yeah, uh, I, I don't think it's good. I don't think it does anybody any good. I really, no. and I don't. I haven't yet talked to an actor who enjoys that process and who thinks that oh, you know, I really stand a chance of doing good in this because I did a really good tape. No, yeah. it doesn't. Happen. And it's and it's even worse. I mean, I, I'm a comedian who wants somebody to think they're an actor. You know what I mean? I'm hoping somebody just makes a terrible mistake on me, and yeah. it's like we'll put him in a thing. <laughs> It'll be like oh, thank God. <laughs> I get health insurance. It's going to happen. So keep hoping. Okay. There you <laughs> go. Yeah. I like, you know what else too is I got to, I got to, you know, Tom and I have a lot of guests on the show and we're actors and stuff like that. And even musicians, comedians. I like yeah. asking that question that I asked you because I feel like that is such a great thing for other people to hear, especially we're starting out is that you never feel secure. I, so it's so comforting. I know it's probably terrible to say, but it is, it's <laughs> nice to know that like, oh my God, even the people that you admire and look up to and have done so much, still have no idea exactly where they're fit and they're still trying. Exactly. And I, I'm telling you, I, everybody I ever known or ever worked with, if we get in any kind of a conversation, that is always a topic. Oh, that's great. It is. <laughs> so keep hanging in there. Yeah. I have, I have a friend who worked with Tom Hanks on um, Bridge of Spies and they said they were, you know, he was, he was like an extra and he played like one of the reporters who interviews him and they're waiting to do their scene. And he was standing next to him. And uh, he was making conversation and he was like, um, yeah, so what do you got? To, what do you got going on after this? And Tom said he basically was like, I have no idea. And it's driving me crazy. And, and my friend just kind of looked at him like, really? And he's like, even Tom Hanks is sitting there going, where's my next job coming from? It's wild. That, that is right. I, I, I will hang on to that because I know the experiences I've, I've had with people. But again, I'm with you. Tom Hanks. Oh, my God. Right. But, right. No, he doesn't. Yeah. I know. Wild. We have a question from one of the audience members. They asked, uh, the more asked, how long was your first studio con contract with the studio? Um, let's see. I, I think, I, I think it would actually be the Donna Reed show, which, which, because you didn't sign contracts for the television shows and the, the kind of one-off things that you did, or, or if you did a movie when I didn't ever say goodbye, it wasn't a contract. I, they just signed me for that part. And then however long the movie took, that's how long you were working for them. So mm, gotcha. if I, if um, eight years altogether with the Donna Reed show, cause oh, I wow, wow. some episodes in the sixth year, but uh, I have a question too, because I've seen a, a lot of our guests have talked about like the commissary from back then. <laughs> it must've been so many great stories from the commissary because you're getting to mix with all these other incredible stars and everybody's guards down. You have anything fun from, uh, from that yeah. era? Yes, I do. Uh, this moves into the Elvis Presley category time. Oh. Um, uh, and this was at MGM, which was like the granddaddy of all the studios, you know, <laughs> yeah. everybody had been there. And anyway, um, 
I was in the MGM commissary had a big main room and then there was a smaller room off to the side for uh, VIPs, I guess, but, but also producers and okay. But mm -hmm. I was big, the big roundabout place. And um, I was facing there, there were two big doors at the, at the top of the commissary that everybody came in. And um, I was sitting with my back to them and I was taught having lunch with two people. And um, I suddenly noticed, and there must have been at least 500 people in this commissary. I mean, it was packed. And I looked around and a lot of people were getting up and leaving. And and there was a, their conversation had been going on and then there was da -da 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 -da, like a, a humming noise. And I said, what? what is going on? And then I looked at the two people I was having lunch with and they were doing the same thing. And it was Elvis standing at one of the doors. And you know how when the sun shines, you have to put your hand over the, the mirror, the window that you're trying to look through with the yeah. and so you can see it. Well, he was doing that. He was looking for something. <laughs> and, um, and the place literally started moving en masse to that mm -hmm. door. And I'm telling you, there were at least 500 people there. And they were all, and this was at, this was in 1964, I guess. No, 1965. I can't remember. But it, anyway, it was not when Elvis was at his most popular. Beatles had been. Right, gotcha. Um, and I saw his face when all of these people were just coming for him and he so i saw him looking like this and then he, and he ran and he disappeared and <laughs> what his life i thought later upon thinking about it what his life must have been like as a young boy of 19 18 19 in tupelo mississippi mm. when things started to happen for him and shortly after that when he was inundated with thousands and thousands of people and why he would withdraw from people you know that's that all those years later he was used to that and 500 was nothing it was a drop in the bucket for the amount of people he had been in front of wow yeah. he ran anyway it's not a, a funny haha -ha story but yep. it, um it was it was interesting it was, that's great yeah, yeah that's but it's, you're able to feel that presence, right? Like it's, uh, you were saying earlier when he came in the room, you could just oh. feel it upon first seeing him. I feel like I felt that with a couple of people that are celebrities, you would, you know, not even to name their names, but you would feel their energy. There was mm. so much about that. It, it is, um, it's palpable and you can't, uh, there are other people who are, you might like a lot and you think are terrific and everything, but there's not that, indefinable thing and i'm telling you as i said he was walking in the sound stage and that's what he was doing and it was just just wow exciting. yeah uh, i did see him in las vegas for one one of his first times my mother wanted to see him and so did i but we went up and we didn't you know the guys that were always around him what they call the memphis mafia but they were mostly his cousins her cousins <laughs> <laughs> And I had already done three movies with him, so they I knew them all, but I didn't call anybody and say, oh, we're coming up. Mm. Right before, where my mother and I are in line, and I'm getting tickets. And um, one of the guys, I guess, saw me and uh, came over, and he said, what What are you doing? And I said, well, we're buying tickets. And he said, what are you talking about? What? Are you okay, so fade out on that. It's the next night, and we're, we're uh, in 
the auditorium and I, where he's going to be. And we were seated in this very big booth looking at the stage. And Sammy Shore was, I think, his opening act. Yes. And wow. Yeah. Yeah. He was his opening act. Yeah. Oh, that's crazy. It is. You know, I hadn't even remembered that. I couldn't remember for years who the opening act was, but I just read an article on the comedy store and about. Yeah. That oh. is wild. That is so cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but at the time, everybody was there to see Elvis. And there was, you could just hear, you know, where is Elvis? <laughs> 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 I mean, he felt so terrible for him. Sure. But anyway, um, I, I will never forget this. I was looking at the stage and the curtain was across the stage or a little out a little ways. And if I already told this story on the other program. No, no, no. No, okay. Okay. Um, the music started and it was thus spake Zarathustra. I can't ever say it, Zarathustra, and the music from 2001. Mm -hmm. And very exciting music. And But nothing was happening. And then suddenly you noticed, you're looking down at the stage and a hand came out from behind the curtain. Like, if you can see that. Yeah, just just a hand. Yeah. And you know, you didn't know whether that was somebody backstage hanging something or what, but came out and he walked across the stage with his hand out like that. It was Elvis, of course. <laughs> and um, and the place went bananas. The place, wow. people were screaming and he, he had the most wonderful look on his face. He was laughing and laughing at the audience's reaction, but he, it was so exciting and it was so thrilling and it was fabulous to see him have this effect on all these people. And it was what I'm talking about when, you know, I saw him walking across the stage and went, oh, my God, it's Elvis Presley. And these people were all going, oh, my God, it's Elvis Presley. And he's right there. Right. And yeah. He was, uh, again, I don't remember what you asked me that made me answer. That. <laughs> <laughs> perfect. <laughs> it is perfect. It's just dystopia. It's fine. Um, yeah. <laughs> I have to ask you about Joey Baker, because I think I told you a huge Dick Van Dyke show fan, right? I can, I can tell you every episode back to front of that show, but Joey Baker played their next door neighbor on one of the episodes. Oh my I God. think either in the same year or within the same year, he was in girl happy. Oh my gosh. I didn't, I didn't somehow I missed that episode of the show. Oh, oh man. Yeah. Oh, I, I'll, I'll, I'll email you guys the name of that episode. Cause it's a great, it's a really funny. Oh, um, yes. Yeah. So, so, but there was, there was that connection. And then plus you were in coach with Jerry Van Dyke oh. and there's, you know, and that's, and everybody knew each other. Did you, were you still in touch with Joey Baker? You friend, like you guys, you, you, no. like you had a blast and girl happy. Like it just seemed like you guys had a lot of fun. We had a wonderful time doing it. Uh, just uh, absolutely wonderful. The person I was closest to of the guys that played the backup for Elvis in the movie, mm. um, Jimmy Hawkins, who had been my closest friend, from uh, he played tag on the Annie Oakley series, and oh, yeah. I played a little part, yeah. one little episode, and so we have been friends since we were I was seven or eight when we did. Wow, the show. wow! And we had remained friends throughout. He ended up playing my boyfriend on the Donna Reed show. Anyway, he was there, and I was I was thrilled that Jimmy was there, and he and Joby became good friends. So I know knew Joby that way, but but my scenes were almost always just with Elvis. And, okay. and uh, we did a couple in a nightclub together and Joby was there. But um, 
I don't have any intimate, wonderful stories to tell you about Joey. I, it's just I, crazy because it's like I always wonder because you, you were talking about that book that you had before, too. And these connections that I keep, you know, because every now and again, it's just kind of crazy when you think of like, I mean, I, I don't know if I already told you this before, but basically, you know, Carl Blett, Carl, Carl Betts played your dad on the Donna Reed show. Mm -hmm. And he was also in an Elvis Presley movie that you were in called Spin Out, right? Yes, that's right. And, and played father, right? Right. And is married to Gloria Stone. And um, Gloria's sister is Nita Talbot. Right. Um, right. Yes, it was in Girl Happy. No, no, no. Yeah, it was in Girl Happy and is also my cousin. So it's like this weird. Oh, yeah. And then you were, but it's just like all those connections stuff like that. Do you guys like, cause I imagine when you were on coach and you were with Jerry Van Dyke, I don't know if you're making those connections or if it just, you guys just focus on the thing you're talking about. Cause I'd be trying a six degrees of separation, Kevin Bacon stuff all day long. No, <laughs> I didn't do that. I will say that Jerry Van Dyke is the funniest guy, the funniest person I've ever known. Wow. Uh, he's, he's, I, uh, speaking of missing somebody, I miss him every single day. And, um, but when Jerry, Jerry, the character of Luther that he played on Coach was written by our the creator of the show, Barry Kemp, was written for Jerry. And in fact, Luther or Jerry was Luther. Luther was Jerry. Um, yeah. You know how Luther was always eating and spilling things on him? Well, that's Jerry. He would come <laughs> in the morning <laughs> and somebody would say, oh, you had strawberries for breakfast. Well, how do you know front of your shirt that's good. anyway he was just hysterically funny so whatever whatever jerry wanted to talk about and he always had stories always had stories mm -hmm. uh, we'd all go to the green room while we were waiting for scenes to be set up and um he was just hysterical funny hysterically funny so we just listened to what he had to say he and craig had a great relationship they they um and craig would laugh harder at Jerry stuff than anybody else. It was, it was great. But Jerry, I, so I'd never asked him anything about my mother, the car, none, none of that. Oh, I, wow. Wow. I, I didn't. Yeah. He, he, he just, he said, I don't know if this series is going to go. I don't know. And <laughs> really we were walking up to the commissary, all of us. And I said, Re really, why? And he said, um, well, he said, I talked to the producer and they said, he said, it's a, a dramedy. And he said, I don't even know what a dramedy was. And he said, <laughs> drama and a comedy. And he said, I don't know anything about that. He said, I don't think this show is going to work period. And you know, eight wow. and years later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. On. One of the best shows ever. I agree. I, I think it was just a fabulous show. And the producer was right. It was a dramedy. It was it was a very funny show, but there would always be reality moments. Not always, but often. And Craig had the amazing ability to, to turn things on a dime. He could be doing the wildest comedy and then instantly be in a dramatic scene and it would be stunning. And Jerry could do the same thing. It was just a different style, you know? Yeah. Anyway, yeah. they had a lot of heart that show and a lot of depth and and yeah. they were great. That's another one that holds up though over the course of time too. The situations and everything that involved in it are like completely relatable. I agree. Uh, that again was Barry Kemp, who was the creator and the producer of the show. It was his baby from beginning to end mm. at the first script, and it was it was one we did on the show. It was the opening show. Anyway, he he was insistent on. Um, but he did it through the writing. He didn't do it through, you know, you all have to be, this is right. 
this kind of show. No, he just wrote things where you got to play beautiful scenes. Sometimes they were funny. Sometimes they were touching. Sometimes they were sad. Mm -hmm. uh, but and your was, character evolved over time, obviously, over the course of the show. Though, how much input did you have over that? Zero. Zero, <laughs> really? Wow. Um, they did. Um, yeah, the, the the way the show started out, it was actually going to be, in fact, they had actually had an original title called My Dad, the Coach. And it was going to be the focus on Craig and the girl, whomever they decided to have as the daughter. Mm. Turned out to be Claire Carey, who was wonderful. Yeah. And, um, but <clears throat> in the way the show played, they they decided to start featuring more of Christine and Craig. Everybody else was still in it, of course, but but the focus became more the the two of uh, the two of us, and um, uh, and but I didn't have anything to do with that. I hmm. would have it so. I remember Jerry, not Jerry. I remember Barry asking me one time. He said, uh, "Can you sneeze?" And I said, "Sorry, what?" He said, "Can you sneeze?" And I said, "And I snow. I snowed. I'm fine." <laughs> And he said, oh, I guess you can. And I said, yeah. I, yeah. I, well, it turned out that that turned out to be a big element of one of our shows where I was supposed to be sick with a cold and Hayden comes to the place. And I, yeah. da, 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 and I had to be stuffy. And uh, anyway, mm -hmm. that was the input that I had. Can you see? <laughs> still input. That's great. Are you guys all still close? Um. Yes, we don't see each other very often, but um, I haven't I haven't seen, you know, Jerry passed away and um, that's just been hard for everybody. Um, <clears throat> Craig has been so busy doing other series and he and his wife live in Malibu and wow. um, uh, and Jerry, for the most part, still lived in Arkansas. He, he and right. really his wife loved Arkansas, where their home was in Malvern and um and Bill Fagerbocky and I are still very close. We we see each other, but we just don't get together. Um, the Donna Reed show, the four of us, Donna, Carl, Paul, and I, got together after the show was over with once a month. We talked to each other in between times, wow. but That's we great. got once a month to have lunch at the Bistro in Beverly Hills. That was our meeting place, wow. and it was Carl, Paul, and I. And we would sit, and the, the lunches would ask, last for hours, hours oh. now. That's and great. It it really was wonderful yeah and you were perfect opposite craig t nelson too like that's another thing like if, if i think of like a great television couples that that yes. totally had that balance because now you know you watch stuff and it, obviously some things lean in one way or the other and it's not a very equal kind of footing yeah. and it's played it's played for comedy in a different way but you guys just had this pure like great marriage great balance in your relationship each of you got zingers in yes. that it was great chemistry between you two thank yeah. you i um Again, I, I I accept the compliments on behalf of Craig and of me, but I give the credit to Barry Kemp. He wrote the stuff. So um, uh, Craig had much more input onto the the way the show was going. But I, I can watch the show now, and I see it, and I see that the two of us work very oh, yeah. well. Yeah. yeah. Did you get to read off with Craig at first? Did you read off with somebody else? I didn't meet Craig meet Craig until the first day of uh, the rehearsal around the table. Wow. I didn't meet anybody. I, in fact, I, I, I my interviews, uh, and we called them interviews at the time. The mm -hmm. interview was with Barry Kemp and um, Sheldon Bull, who they were the two 
originating producers. And they had me do a scene. And um, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And so I just, I didn't know anything about it, you know, and I didn't know how I did. I, I They seemed to enjoy mm. it. But um, I got a call back, I don't know, several weeks later. And by that time, you think that everything is just gone away. Right. And, um, uh, the, my agent called me and they said that the, they called and they asked me to come back again for another reading and to meet with the same people. And I had said to my agent, uh, I guess I said to him then, and he had already asked them, do they want anything different? Is there something they want me to change? And Barry Kemp sent back a message and said, tell her to do everything exactly the same as she did in the first interview. Nice. And, just, and, and so I, I was like, oh my God, oh my God, that's so thrilling. And um, I didn't have a big repertoire of <laughs> what I could do. So it was sort of easy to come back in and do the same thing again. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of actors who can say, oh, I can do it this way and that way. I just came back in and I did the same way. And they were having trouble casting. Uh, we didn't know why, but coach. And I heard, uh, I heard that Jerry Van Dyke had been cast, and I thought Jerry Van Dyke. And I thought, boy, that doesn't read to me. That's great, but he's that doesn't read to me like Hayden Fox. I right. Anyway, so I I was sitting outside of Barry's office. That's where we were to meet first before we went to the stage. <clears throat> anyway. Um, Jerry came in and I thought, okay, that's, that's Hayden Fox. And uh, a little while later, Craig T came in and I went, oh, that's coach. <laughs> and in fact, uh, it turns out that coach, that Hayden, uh, Craig T was Barry's first choice and um, other machinations had gone on and it, it hadn't worked for a while. So that's why they were having trouble trying to make it work with Craig, but they, he got him and, um, and we all ended up. So I, no, I didn't, I didn't meet him till we sat around the table doing the scenes for the first time, which is always mm -hmm. strange. That's when the actor thinks they're going to call me off, uh, off screen. I mean, not right. And say, thank you very much, Shelley, for coming in. But <laughs> just you're just sure you haven't met up with any. And I yeah. got, and I got to stay there. So <laughs> I, I was so bummed that they did not go along with the reboot. I was at the taping of the reboot, the pilot. Oh, were you? Yeah, one of my one of my close friends who I went to high school with, and we'd done some stand up together when we were younger, uh, was writing on the show. Cool. And she knew I was a coach fan and she's like, do you want to come see the taping of the show? And I was like, Are you cry. I just moved to LA. It was like the second, I was like literally trying to figure out where I was going to live and then just stopped everything short to come to the, the taping of the show. Oh, yeah, that's so funny. That's and so it was, and it was so good. So funny. It seemed like you got, everybody picked up, you know, right where it left off. And I can't believe that they didn't go through with it. Yeah, I was, um, it was, it was, I was hard. It was hard that they didn't. And, uh, but that's, that's yeah, what, you know? that's the, yeah. I, I mean, it was it later, literally like, I still talk about that kind of thing where I'm just like the dumb, like, how do they not <laughs> like, cause it was, it was, I mean, the audience was with it. The laughs were all on point. Everybody, it was one of the few, cause you know, I don't know if you like a, like a fan of watching some of the reboots. Like I'll try to like, oh, yeah. uh, do you like that kind of thing? Or like, do you like watch? Yeah. And you root for them because you want them to be good. They yes. very, 
I feel like, I don't know if it's the writing or not the, you know, they're still good writers. They always have good staff and stuff, but very few reboots seem to be able to, the characters seem to be able to evolve. It's always like not the same kind of people. It's like a weird thing. They either try to make it exactly like it used to be, which is weird because you're like, well, it's been two decades. So how have they not evolved? You know, <laughs> and and then the other part of it is it's it's like then they do it a little too much where it's like, oh, it kind of loses the humor in the show. And yes. um, but I thought, you know, I, I thought did well. Mad About You's reboot, I thought was really good. Yes, that was a wonderful show. Period. Oh, yeah. The show was great. And then the reboot, I thought, oh, cool. Everybody kind of changed and went with the time. Richard Kind and um right. Oh, I can't think of who plays his cousin Ira, but he's great. Oh, oh I'm blanking. But it, but they all did, you know, oh, so good. But um, and then oddly enough, I mean, even though it wound up happening the way it happened, I thought when they first brought back Roseanne, yeah. all the John Goodman, Laurie Metcalf, you know, everybody seemed to kind of pick up right where they left off. Right. I I think I think that's right. They did, but it it's morphed into something else at this point. Absolutely. Yeah. Now it's something completely different, but yeah, it was like, uh, they're, they're not quite good with the reboots just yet. I, some stuff I really wish they'd bring back, but you what know, the one, two years. Did you like the one, two years reboot? I you know, I didn't see that. I didn't see it either. I should have, but I didn't see it. I feel I like I've given up. <laughs> I'm like, unless you bring back coach, I will not watch another reboot. <laughs> I will. I'll make that stand. Um, <laughs> I have one of so I got I got to ask you this because my uh, one of my mom's crushes when she was younger was Paul Peterson. Oh. Uh, do you still keep in touch with Paul? Oh yes, um, yes. I just uh, he and I and his wife and Jimmy Hawkins and I oh. uh, we we drove down to where Paul lives, which is a little ways away from here, to have lunch with him because we hadn't seen him for a while. Paul and I have stayed in um, sort of constant touch. And uh, we decided not to go ahead with having lunches because it would just be the two of us now. And we thought for a while we did it with Donna, but then we all decided it was too hard to do without Carl. And then it was impossible right. to do without Donna. But yes, Paul and I have stayed um, like brother and sister for all these years. And I just adore him. He's That's really sweet. We, we fought on the show the way they wrote the characters. They had Mary and Jeff fight all the time. And um, and Paul and I didn't fight like that, but we really were like brother and sister. And as I said, he said, nice doing, you know, CCOSD. What did that, mm. you know, it just. Anyway. That's great. You, I got to want to touch on a bit um, of your activism, because I know you wrote a great article um, during the Trump administration when you know what I'm talking about. Yes, I think I do. I th yeah, I know. I was going to, I was going to say there was, the, but yeah, but I, I, loved what you had written about it at the time was there something that made you at that point in time want to speak out in particular yeah trump get <laughs> trump in yeah absolutely um mike and i had joined uh, or had been part of the screen actors guild mm -hmm. uh, conglomeration and we had been on it for a number of years and uh, i i came to it um right after i had had my um liver transplant. And I hadn't, I didn't do anything during that period of time. And I had been at home for like a year trying to recuperate. Anyway, uh, somebody was not coming into the meetings. And so they held a, another, um, not audition, but held another uh, vote thing to vote new people into the, into the, uh, can you hear that noise? Yeah. Is that a cat? Well, you would think so. 
it's a little <laughs> it's a little jigsaw puzzle that sits here. This I'm in Mike's office that sits in Mike's office, and every night that we go out and we turn the light off, mm -hmm. the cat meows like <laughs> we both go good night, kitty. And I don't know what caused him to do this now because nobody came into the room, and oh. don't hear it very often, excepting at night. But it it I thought. I got to tell you what that is in case it's hilarious. I just thought it was, I was like, Oh, they got a cat. That's sweet. It's like there are cats and ducks and elephants and they all make the noises. When the, when the toy was new, they all made the noises. The only one who has any life left is the cat. <laughs> and we don't know why it is, but the cat lets us know that he's here. Oh, that's hilarious. Nine uh, lives. The, the elephant, the rest of them make sense, but then cat's got nine lives. So you got, I don't know how many more of them you got left, but I don't it's going to go for a while. <laughs> <laughs> that cat's not giving up. No, he's not. <laughs> um, what did you ask me? You were oh, asking I was asking you about um, just the kind of the impetus to write that that uh, article yeah. that you'd written about. Yeah. Well, we both Mike and I ended up serving on the on the Screen Actors Board, and um, it was at a time when <clears throat> the, the board was cut in half, like our country is right now. There are half people who say this and half people who say that. And the animosity in that room was just unbelievable. Mm. And um I and I couldn't I, I couldn't get hold of it because it I hadn't done anything for a year. I and I'm a huge basketball fan. Sounds like it doesn't leave the same story. Gigantic basketball fan, and I've always been passionate about the Lakers. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't even watch a Laker game. It moved too fast for me. I, I just, um, so now I'm in this boardroom with these, what I called them lunatics, and screaming and yelling and fighting. And oh, it was just awful. Mm -hmm. And um, oh, I, no, I, I can't say that. I, I ended up categorizing the people that were opposing the side that I was on. Um, and a lot of the rest of us, as I said, they're just, they're just like the Republicans, you know, they just, they just have problems with everything and this and that and this and that. Right. Anyway, the Trump thing kept going on and on. And I just, um, I don't remember the inciting incident that made me right, but I, uh, I thought and continue to think that he was just to all of your listeners who don't feel this way. I'm sorry, but my viewpoint is that he was a disaster as a president, and he is um, even more so now. He's creating such havoc and hell in this world. So mm -hmm. whatever I said was not enough. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. But yeah, yeah. Damn the word limits. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was it was a beautiful article, and it was one of those things that I, I, you know, when I talked to Mike about his activism and stuff like that too, I remember again during the Bush administration him going on TV and talking about stuff all the time, and it was always so cool because, you know, just seeing another guy, another actor, another somebody else having a having a, an opinion and a point of view, and the same thing with him speaking out during Trump, and then then you know, knowing both of you are married and together, and you both have that kind of activist streak in you, right. it's just it's really nice. It's nice to see. Thank you. I'm, I'm inspiring. Thank you. I I loved um, it, it all started for me with my Alzheimer's work. It started watching Mike because he's so involved right. in many things. And I sort of learned from the, the God of being involved. And then, <laughs> what yeah. a great title. <laughs> That's awesome. I I was raised in a non-political house and mm -hmm. um, and I again harken back to my shyness. I just wasn't somebody who said, 
Oh, that's an interesting point of view that you have, but I'd like to tell you how I feel. I just, those words just never came out of my mouth, sure. work or at home. So, um, <clears throat> I, <laughs> I have talked so long, I can't remember what I, I know what you asked me, but I can't remember where I was in my story. So, uh, you, uh, you, you were basically saying that, you know, but just the activism part of it, you're Alzheimer's when you were starting to work on the foundation and stuff. Right. And, and that, that got me out into the world of, of speaking in front of people and, nice. and having a point of view about something. So, um, I, I, I like doing that. I like, I love doing the Alzheimer's work and, um, being a part of that. And the, the Trump administration, I just thought, I yeah. thought just terrible and i thought yeah. he should yeah. it gave a lot of people reason to finally sit like you know to kind of chime in and say something like i think a lot of even, even a lot of friends i had who were normally not that they didn't pay too much attention it was like all right if there's going to be a time to pay attention now's the time to oh, say yeah. something and pay attention and what's cool about that is the kind of the connecting the thing is we were talking in the beginning about your just level of shyness and how you had to get to kind of get over that to go from that and even when you're in the business still not speak maybe maybe not approaching somebody that you're a true fan of but oh. then having enough of the forethought to go, okay, look, these are the things that I care about. I'm going to kind of get over the shyness thing and start speaking out about it. Yes. Awesome. That's a great trajectory. Well, thank you. Yeah. It, it, it's been hard fought and <laughs> <laughs> we made the transition. As I said, the, the Alzheimer's Avenue was the, the onset for me of, of learning to speak in front of people and, and voicing my opinion. I, I still didn't voice it, an opinion on a set about, you know, I never was an actor who said, you know, I, I think this is going in the wrong direction. I think we no, should. No, no, none of those. I didn't. I no. I just, they said right. act. I mean, they said move action and I did it, but Anyway, There's nothing to be said for that kind of thing. I mean, it's, you know, it, it, I would, I don't know that I would even on a set because I, I would just kind of go, you know, it's weird. I feel two ways about it. One, I always think like, oh my God, it's so crazy when you hear somebody take over, you know, what their character should do and stuff like that. But then on one hand, I think like, well, you know, there's a reason why this guy's the director and these guys are the writers. They clearly have a vision. Right. You're, you're hired to do a thing. So, you know, unless they ask for it, some, I feel like I would be the same way. And I'm like, well, then, you know, they, they must know what they're doing. Right. Yeah. Some actors don't feel that way. They don't think that they know what they're doing. But no. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm not one of those. I'm I'm your type, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, method actors are crazy by the way. But that's yeah. a whole other topic. I don't I I read some stuff recently about a couple of those guys where I'm just kind of like, I I think they're just jerks. Uh -huh. <laughs> a lot of them were jerks or arch. Oh. Yes. Yeah. Oh man, I was like that's that doesn't seem like they're acting. That just seems like <laughs> they're doing whatever they want. It's true. It's taking true. a couple of liberties. Um, I want to I want to ask you the last three questions that we have for every guest, but I want to thank you for also coming on and spending so much time with us. I appreciate that. You're welcome. I'm delighted to be here. And I, as I said to you at the very beginning, I tend to answer in paragraphs. So Love I'm picking up this show and your next show and your next. Show. So <laughs> I've had a good time being with you guys. Thank you. Both. We appreciate thank you. you. I have um, one question oh, real sure. fast before you hit them with Big Three. The uh, so one of our one of our uh, followers also asked. When was your Elvis moment when you realized the power of television and movies and recognized like you were beyond famous, like people looked up to you on television for so long? Um, that's a very nice question. Thank you. Um, I, I don't think I've, I, I, when I was working and I'm not working anymore cause I got sick and I had to get well and, 
it took a long time. Uh, and I don't think I'll ever go back to work again. I don't think. But I, 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 how should I put this? Um, as I met people as years have gone on who said, oh, I love the Donna Reed show. And oh, I loved your character. And then I've gotten fan letters from people. And um, I'm always amazed that people recognize me. And uh, nobody recognizes me now with my, all the way it is now. But um, that's okay. Um, but I, I, when we were doing the show, I obviously knew we were doing a television series. You're there every day. You know that. Right. And, uh, and going to school at the same time on the set. Um, but we did, um, the work year was so long. We had a short vacation and then we came back and did the next season and we never saw anybody. So I never, I never got out into the public really um, until much later. And it was much later being out with the public that I, uh, that I said, Oh God, people really, really watched us and really, really liked right. us. And, and, and I, I guess that's as close as I would come. I don't think anybody ever went, Oh my God, there's Shelley that, that didn't happen. Like I did when I saw Elder, but, um, but you don't know that because they might have, but they might have just been as shy as you. And because you felt like a piece of somebody's family because they were with you like yeah. day in, day in, out on that show. So they, you, I'm right. sure you were more of a part of somebody's family than a lot of people's actual family was. I, I do think that's true. I know that both Paul and I have talked about the fact that we've received um, communication from people through the years who have said, mm. I, I wanted to be part of the Stone family. And other people who say, oh, I, I was you and I was and, and they said my home life was not good. And I so I would turn your show on and I would watch it and I would just pretend that I was the kid that you couldn't see, but that I was there. Having, so so yeah. Yeah, I think I think, yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> That's moving. They, I got to tell you, people were when 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 we did the MS benefit together, yes. they people were asking people were like, you had Shelly Fabry. I'm like, what? In the, you didn't tell me like, you know, and I'm like, I, we posted it everywhere. <laughs> what are you <laughs> talking about? Or or people who had different time slots were like, can we get in on that time? slot? Like, so trust me, they're all. Oh. Lindsay uh, actually is in the comments. She said, I love your hair and I definitely recognize you so much love and thank you. Oh, how nice. Who is the name? What is the name of that person? Lindsay. 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 Ed. <laughs> Lindsay, thank you very, very much. I appreciate it. I, I enjoy my hair too. It makes me laugh. So I figured, <laughs> but thank you. I, I appreciate your kind words very much. Thank you. Um, all right. So big three questions. Uh, if you could go back in time and talk to your younger self, what piece of advice would you give yourself that would help you today? Have courage. Mm, nice. That's have a good one. And, uh, I didn't have courage and, uh, that's yeah that's I, and i'd say don't worry so much but but i would first say just have courage because if you have courage you can kind of go ahead and go through things but um um i that's that's what i would say and yeah. to have faith that it's all going to work nice or, but but what how it's going to work is what's supposed to happen so lovely uh and the second question is is what had to end in your life good or bad that led you to where you are today hmm um, well, a couple of things, uh, being married to Mike Farrell changed my life completely. Mm. And, um, my previous life to that, um, had to end before I could meet Mike Farrell and move into this incredible 
marriage and this incredible world that I'm in with him. And, um, and, and also when I got sick, I had, I had um, to have a transplant, a, a, mm. a, a liver transplant. And, and that was life changing because they explained to me that I, if I didn't have it soon, I would die. And I was getting sicker and sicker and sicker. And, uh, and that does change you, that experience. When you're right in it, you don't get the change. But as you're getting out of it somewhat, you you realize things that are that weren't important before are important now, and and vice versa. Things are important now that weren't be. However, you would reverse those two. <laughs> no, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. and um, so those two things. But definitely meeting Mike and marrying him, and um, leaving behind part of the life that I had lived before. Very nice. Yeah, love that. Um, and the second, third question is a little goofy. Okay. Um, so take it with a grain of salt, uh, but it ties into the theme of the show. So if we were saying, if this is a genuine dystopia and uh, more so than it kind of is uh, yeah. at the moment, but if it was like, you know, uh, aliens or zombies or a comet heading toward earth or climate change, it's yeah. the last day on earth for everybody. Uh, mm -hmm. How would you want to spend your last day? How would you want to go out? I, I read a poem, a poem many, many, many years ago, a little tiny poem. And I always said um, that that was how I wanted to go out. Mm. The technical version is that I would eat a cheeseburger and it would be made of turkey now, but a turkey burger and a bottle of champagne that and French fries. That would be oh. my meal. But the little poem was, if I knew I died tomorrow, I'd ask my lover not to sorrow. I'd ask him not to let me cry for silver seconds passing by. I'd watch a butterfly in flight. I'd count the stars that dot to, that dot the night. These things I'd do, these joys I'd borrow if I knew I'd die tomorrow. Beautiful. And that's that's I've kept that forever in my mind. I love that. <laughs> that is Very who, who wrote the poem? Do you know? I don't know. I. Oh, very nice. I'll have to look it up. I, I've thought of that for years because I just, I don't even remember when I, I know I was very young when I first saw it. Mm. And and I always was, I always was convinced that I was going to die probably the next day. I just mm. thinking that I was going to have some terrible illness and just die right. or was going to shoot me. I don't know what I thought, but I was, I was going to die. So this, this poem that started, if I knew I'd die tomorrow, I saw that and I went, oh, yeah, I think I will. So I I don't remember anything else, but you're asking me that has made me determined to go back and find out who wrote that poem. Very nice. I I think about death all the time too, so that's a nice. I, I like that. You gave me two of my favorite combination answers, by the way. Something deep and meaningful, and also your food of choice. I oh. love knowing people's food of choice. Oh, do you really? Oh, that's, oh, so, that's yeah. so yeah, cheeseburger. That's the way to go. I need to know what you changed to a turkey burger because it's the last day. You could go back to that cheeseburger one time, but no. Yeah, and you could, and you're right. I I might if I knew it was the last day. My <laughs> regular cheeseburger, please. Yeah. <laughs> I think the turkey burger now because that's what I say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Eat meat anymore, but I eat turkey and some chicken. But um, mm, nice. But that's why I I, I changed it to tur turkey <laughs> Lovely. Thank you so much. Yeah. It's been a pleasure, like beyond the pleasure. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much. You. You've made me feel terrific this time and last time, both of you. Thank you so much, John. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yep. <laughs>
dystopia tonight. 